Hello, Mr. Cooley. Hello, man. How you doing? Another incredible week spending on this giant rock we call mm. Earth with flat sides. Yeah, this giant flat plane in space. Yep. Water falling off the edges. I just can't believe some people think it's round. I mean, in every picture, it looks like a cube to me. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely cubic, rectangular okay. of some sort. As long as you and I are on the same page and everyone in the comments. Yeah, it's da- it's got sharp, sharp corners somewhere. <laughs> That's all I know. All I know is when I see a boat sail off in the ocean, it looks like it drops off an edge. Yeah. Because you can't see it anymore. Right, exactly. It's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, and all the other planets are square too. And Pluto's a planet. Yeah, definitely Pluto is a planet. <laughs> that's that's how I was raised. I I grew up in a Pluto as a as a planet family. So yeah, and we're definitely a podcast trying to talk about the way it always was is the way it should be, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, that is our uh, that tends to be our tagline. Nothing new. Uh, what is Our, new, man? In, anything new since I saw you? You grinding? I'm grinding, man. I am in a... I feel like I'm in trial by fire right now in terms <laughs> of what's going on at work. I've just, I'm in a super busy season um, trying to manage two projects at, projects at once, and one of them is definitely more important to the company. So it's like this right. weird balance of like prioritizing and trying to be... <clears throat> diplomatic in the way I communicate hey I just don't have time to work Mm -hmm. on this right now so um, some of these skills you just don't learn until you have to do it I've it's kind of the uh the lesson I've taken away from it so do you ever get any lashings for um talking about the way you want to manage the project if it's stressing you out yeah they usually take me out back and whip me with a (laughs) rope every time I'm speak my mind no they're they're really good actually um and it's been nice because usually my assessment of priority has been correct so i don't have a whole lot of pushback um the hardest thing for me is just that i know that being able to juggle multiple balls is part of the job you know especially Mm -hmm. the longer you're there Mm -hmm. um so i always have this fear of if i am honest with how i'm doing mentally or with my bandwidth or something they're going to take that as well he can't handle it you know, mm-hmm. which isn't true. And that's, I've never, I've never gotten that sentiment from anyone there. It's just, that's a, like a self-imposed pressure that I have from, you know, the way I went through school and, and stuff. I had that kind of perfectionist mentality that doesn't always yeah. apply in the real world. I'm learning. So, yeah. Yeah. You felt that way in other projects and stuff too. Like you said, with school, you're saying then? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in school, I mean, you're, you have five or six classes or something all at the same time and none of them mm-hmm. care about what you're doing in any of the other classes, right? So you have to right. manage all that and then extracurriculars and all this. And, you know, at the time in school, that kind of is your life. My entire bandwidth in when I was in college was consumed by college things, you know. Mm. But in the real world, I've learned that I don't want to be the kind of person that is just a slave to my job. You know, there are mm-hmm. some people who love it to the point where they will dedicate all their time to it, you know. Yeah. Um, and I love my job, but I also love other things. So yeah. I'm not trying to work myself to the bone and then not be able to enjoy life outside of that. So I try to, you know, work as hard as I can within the boundaries that I've set for my professional life and my personal life and... um 
hold hold pretty strict boundaries there whenever I can. So mm. yeah, that reminds me of when when I was working over the pandemic at another job. Um, I really didn't feel any pressure in the position because I knew I was only going to have it for oh yeah, you know, it was temporary for me. Um, just the way like the other guys seemed and stuff at work, like they were always kind of worried when the boss was around and mm. our supervisor and I. I didn't really care because I guess, I mean, this sounds terrible and it sounds like I'm not a team player, but I really did think what's the worst that could happen. Right. Like you could fire me, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's different when it's a in-between kind of part-time job, you know? Mm -hmm. And also, um, my dad was running the whole place. Like I barely saw him, but everyone was always thinking of, I always thought of him as my dad while I was there. And I realized this is like a very unique position to be in, but I mean, I'm not the kind of person who was late or tried to leave early or anything like that, so I didn't have anything to worry about. But I can see that, though. Like, there's a real fear there that you could be replaced sounds harsh because that makes you sound expendable. Yeah. But but there is kind of this thing in the back of your mind, like, well, there's how many slip-ups do you get before you... Someone's like, well, he's just too hard to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, and it's weird because that's never well. Now, like a new fear has been unlocked for me. So thank you for that. But so I just said that. <laughs> my fear has less to do with getting in trouble and more to do with being proven right that I'm an imposter. This idea of being good enough is something that I wrestle with a lot and have had to define for myself in a lot, in a lot of situations as an adult. Because when you're growing up, good enough is really defined for you with like percentages on a test equals this grade and you have to have this grade point average to like you know qualify for these things or you know rules of thumb or whatever but mm-hmm. um, in the professional world a lot of that stuff is less um, prescribed to you and you kind of have to figure out what looks like good enough around here you know and, mm. and what is success and am I a failure because I don't want to be the kind of person that works 80 hours a week yeah. I think that sort of like above and beyond mentality is really glamorized um there's like this whole hustle culture thing that is really popular online and they talk about like you know if you're not working 80 hours a week you're getting behind or whatever and you know that may be true um if your only priority is to climb the corporate ladder you know then fine but i have other priorities now that my job is is a means to accomplishing other things and like living a life you know there is like kind of two philosophies too like what you just said and then the and then people that try to tell you that your life can be in this constant dreamy state yeah. if, if you get handed the right, right thing or... Yeah. Yeah, even say if you work hard enough and like... Yeah. I mean, think about how hard you work and how um, conscious you are of, of your finances and stuff like that. And you're not you're not on a yacht. And there's right. people our, our age kind of telling you you could be on a yacht yeah. right now if you work hard. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and the other thing that they never they never talk about is the quality of the time versus the quantity Mm. of the time. And this is a thing Mm. that you and I talk about a lot offline, Mm. but I get really annoyed by people who um, brag about working 16 hour days or 12 hour days. Like, you know, they puff out their chest and talk about it, but seems like they didn't really do anything in those 16 hours. You know, it's like they just were maybe sort of plugged in that whole time, but they weren't focused like the quality of an eight hour in an eight hour day, you should be able to get done a lot of stuff. You know, that's Mm -hmm. a lot of time. And, uh, I don't know. I have this big problem with, with people not explaining or understanding the whole story. 
you know, and I, I want to clarify, like there are seasons, like I'm in a season right now where I'm working probably 60 hours a week, like 50 and 60 hours. Um, but I'm willing to do that knowing that that's not always the case. That's probably yeah. like four weeks out of the entire year that I'm really yeah. like pushing myself that and putting in a lot of extra time. Otherwise yeah. it's, you know, hard cut at 40 hours and then I, I live my life. But yeah. I also am the kind of person where there are times when I would worked extra long days and have felt like I've only gotten accomplished some like the amount of work that I could have got done in eight hours or you know something so um I think I think this whole like hustle and grind culture thing is toxic I think it does a lot more harm than it does good because I think like truly successful people will tell you that it's not about that you know, it's yeah. a, it's really about the quality of the work that you're doing and being efficient. You know, if you're just, if you're spending a bunch of time on something, that doesn't mean that you're accomplishing anything. It could mean yeah. that you have like an energy leak somewhere, you know, you're doing right. something the worst possible way that you could possibly, that you could be doing it is the way I think about it. But I'm an engineer, so. Yeah, true. Do you really know anyone that doesn't like check out pretty frequently during the day for like little mental breaks and. Oh yeah. I mean, everyone, everyone that I work with takes breaks like Mm -hmm. mental breaks or or whatever i work um, the company that i work for probably the best thing about it is they just they don't promote this like get ahead at all cost sort of culture you know nobody works on weekends like nobody's putting in extra time if they don't need to um like it is it is really balanced and it's never happened to me but i've seen cases where people will be burning out and managers will look and see how much time off they've had they have saved up and like pretty much tell them hey you need to take some time off because we can tell that you're you're burning out like this isn't what a life is about you know so Mm. i feel very fortunate to be somewhere like that and i feel comfortable talking about it like this because you know that's something that the company is very proud about too you know so yeah. um, I think it's good but I, I have other friends at different companies that are in a similar industry or a similar sort of job that are worked to the bone you know burn and churn like the company doesn't care about maintaining people they you know they don't care if they're turning over people all the time as long as they have like those few years of really high pr- productivity out of them you yeah. know which is bizarre to me because it, it costs so much more money to to train people you know, yeah. it seems like it, you should just want to keep them around, but I don't write the checks. So, so do your friends that kind of work the same jobs similar? Do you feel like they, uh, whenever you ask them what they're doing and stuff, do they say working or, or catching up on work or yeah, they Almost do always. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, man. It's tough because you know, there's, you hope that they're doing something that something that they enjoy. Right. But I think mm-hmm you know, a lot of companies just kind of dangle the carrot in terms of like bonuses and stuff that you can like these sort of bullshit accolades that you can you can accomplish throughout the year just to make sure that you are, you know, more committed than maybe you would be without that, you know. So if if my company had a lot of like year end bonuses and stuff like that, that I I could achieve, like I would definitely be putting in whatever I needed to to get those things because I'm very driven by pats on the back and by mm-hmm. uh, I'm very financially driven too. So if I knew I could do right. a bunch of extra work and get an extra 10k at the end of the year, I would obviously do that. You know, but yeah, I don't would. I don't always know if that's a healthy thing in terms of mental stability and emotional and all this. So. Yeah. Yeah, that that's how it is with me too and unfortunately if you know I'm making those incentives for myself and I can tend to focus on that 
bottom line at the end of the year way too much. Yeah. You know? And um, so I, you know, and then on the flip side of that is basically pretty low key for the last year. And um, I can't say that I haven't enjoyed it. You yeah. Know? I really like making music. Um, it's nice to do it in your underwear sometimes, but I was, I watched this video the other day where this guy was in a zoom call with some people from work and his kid came in the back door uh-huh. and he stood up and he was in his boxers. Yep. And did you see this? Yeah, I saw it. And he was like, Oh, they were like nice boxers there. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then he had like a shirt, like, boss. like a, a tie and a jacket <laughs> yeah. on too. So it was like complete opposites. Yeah. Yeah. And this colleague like got up and was like, it's not a problem at all. And he was wearing boxers too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't have to really worry about those sorts of things because I'm talking to Nick. So usually if it's a Zoom call, like it doesn't matter what we're wearing. But yeah. um, we are working with somebody right now on some album artwork stuff because it's getting to be that time. Mm-hmm. Like Songs are done. So now everything else comes into place. And um, this guy, he is such a rad dude. And I've known him like from hanging out and mm-hmm. drinking whiskey and like going on boat rides or whatever, but in my boat, just kidding. Yeah. My boat. Um, <laughs> in, a, in a canoe, right. him and I just drinking whiskey. Um, but in this atmosphere, I mean, I know this is kind of a gear switch, but he's, he's so professional. Mm. It's, it's really cool because you get on the phone with this guy and you're kind of thinking like, you know, everybody's probably having a drink and it's going to be like an hour long phone call talking yeah. ideas. And, um, like about 10 minutes into that, after just like asking about life and how stuff was going, this, this like switch flipped mm-hmm. and I was like talking to someone that I was paying to do something and it was suddenly like, all right, yep, yeah, yeah, this is, and this is something that, you know, I've crashed and burned trying to get better at is like, you can't just treat everybody like a buddy. Right. But but you, but at the same time, you want to bring in, it sounds like people that you work with, they kind of ask you how it's going outside of the... Right. Yeah. Is that, do you feel yeah, like that? Yeah, correct. Like they, I think they def- definitely care about what's going on outside of your life. I don't like how there's been this, uh, this other narrative zone of being professional means you have to be an asshole. You know, yeah. I think when people think about like what is a professional or what is a a boss or you know a manager look like, it's like a hard ass, someone who cracks the whip all the time, doesn't mm-hmm. care about anything going on in your life. And I don't know if this is a holdover from like generations past or or what, mm-hmm. but I I just don't think that's the case. And I don't like I don't like the mentality of how of you either have to be like that side of the spectrum like you're a super asshole or you have mm-hmm. to like pretend to be everyone's buddy to the point where no one takes you seriously or like no one knows if you're where you stand in the in the food chain you know like i think you can yeah. be professional and still be respectful and still have empathy in these sorts of things so yeah yeah it's 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 weird but i i mean don't you feel like that's how it should how it should be like the way that that Absolutely. guy the way that guy is i feel like it probably saves some time Absolutely. It's great. And then when you're just texting with him about something else, he's, you know, it's not like he's two people. He's just kind of wearing another hat. And Mm -hmm. um, I was watching this. So sometimes what I like to do when I'm working on uh, what I call tasks, which is stuff I don't want to do. Yeah. um, On on another screen, um, I'll throw up like a YouTube video or something like a documentary that I'm not really checking into. Right. And um I threw this one up about uh, the Xbox and like how it came into production. And a lot of people don't think about how 
Xbox is Microsoft and Microsoft is Bill Gates. Yeah. And um, it was really interesting watching like these kind of, um, as far as being in a software company, these renegade guys wanting to make this hardware mm. for gaming mm-hmm. when Microsoft had been about office use all right. its existence. And they were like pitching this Xbox to Bill Gates that they said didn't even run games yet. Mm-hmm. They He said, I'll, I want to hear what you have to say, but I want you to make some hardware yeah. and bring it tomorrow. Yeah. And they were like, oh, man. So they threw all this stuff together with like a light that turned on right away, and they got it to run Office. Uh-huh. They got it to run a version of Windows, I'm sorry, not games or anything. Yeah. And it booted up like in three seconds. Uh-huh. And he was like, why aren't we doing this with computers? Done. Yeah. It should, yeah. So he went into, but they fought through some other meetings with him where, I mean, he was, I would not have wanted to work for that guy. Yeah. Like he was harsh and, mm-hmm. you know, yelling at him like, you never understood yeah. what your job. And, you know, it's like that would not fly now. No. You know? No, like, yeah, and you, there would be so many lawsuits coming. You hear in all the that. horror stories about like working for Steve Jobs at Apple back in the day, right? Like, he was you just get fired definitely that on way on the spot. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. think I think that does still exist at some companies. Like I think there are still toxic work workplaces, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I would like to think that it's becoming less common. But I definitely feel fortunate that I am not in one of those positions. Like, yeah, um, seems like. There are definitely some harsh conversations, or not harsh, but I would say hard conversations that happen um, at my job. And the problem with people, you know, the problem with doing what I do or what anyone who's like, like invested in their in their work, it's hard to take feedback sometimes because you've spent a lot of time on something and you've put a lot of effort into it, and to have someone say, "Well, we can't do this now," or like that's not what we wanted, or something like it can be hard to hear. But um, the flip side of that is the person who's delivering that information. The onus is on them to communicate the why, not just the mm-hmm. "nope, can't do it." Like start over, mm-hmm. you know. Explain the why, how it fits into the product line, or how it fits into the strategy, or, or all this, and it, it's easier to. It's a little bit more palatable, but um, yeah, yeah. You probably get better and better at like taking that, you know. Yeah, and you get better at not getting so attached to things, you know. Like I, I've been there for three years, and I've had four projects get canceled, you know, after having worked worked on them for um, a few months, you know. And you can take that pretty much one of two ways. You can say, "Well, I wasted all my time on that," and be bitter, or you can look at it like, "Well." they're right. It doesn't, that product didn't make sense. Or, you know, I still learned these things through it that I can apply to, apply to the next thing. So, um, yeah, the first, the first couple times that happened to me, it was, I was pretty bitter about it. But then the most recent time I just, I just kind of laugh it off. Now I call it the Culey ever, curse. Never, every time <laughs> I work on a project, there's a good chance it'll get canceled. <laughs> Do you ever know, like at a certain point long before the product is finished that you should, it should not go into production or something, but you can't do anything about it. Can you say this online? <laughs> no. I, the answer to your you question. Say the answer to your question is no. I. I mean, um, I think the people 
that call the shots ahead of me or above me do a really good job of making sure that what we're working on is worth working on, you know? Yeah. And that's because I, I have that confidence because I've had so many projects get canceled, you mm -hmm. know, for, for a variety of reasons, but some of them have just been like, this doesn't make sense, you know? And, uh, I think, I think that's a lot more common in the consumer electronics space than people realize, like the amount of stuff that yeah. is being developed that never actually makes it through. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I, I like to think that all the things that we're working on have, have meaning in our, yeah. you know, that it makes sense. And, and I do believe that. So, and it probably can be saved sometimes too, even if you did kind of see a, a, mm -hmm. a train wreck coming, like there's probably someone that can come in and kind of mm -hmm. guide it back. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are just so many people that work on things and it goes through so many stages of review and, and approval and stuff like there's no like renegade projects that are just like eventually mm -hmm. going to make it on the shelves. Like everything mm -hmm. goes through multiple stages of, of approval and um, a lot of proposals and paperwork. And, you know, we have, we have really good systems in place to make sure that nothing goes to market without being pretty thoroughly vetted. Mm. You know, how did, how did these guys at Xbox, do you think like just go off and do this thing? I, I think, mean, it's probably on their own time, right? Yeah, that. And I think it was just a wildly different time back then. It was, wasn't you it? You know, like um, the consumer electronics space back then was was pretty much witchcraft, kind of dark arts anyway. <laughs> like no one knew what consumers would want out of that because most people thought that the internet was going to die. Like most people thought the I, internet wasn't going to survive, you know? So back then there was a lot more... Um, these people that were visionaries, right? Like Steve Jobs, um, Bill Gates, people that started these companies that are household names now. Back then, they were viewed as kooks, you know? Um, so I think there was a little bit more room for those sorts of like brainstorm exercises and stuff. Whereas now, the game has completely changed into we more or less know what everybody wants. So let's just right. make you know, 90% that and then 10% of some, some new features and stuff like that. And there's not very many like brand new um, products that, that happen um, yeah. in, a, in a lot of companies. And the ones that do are usually mocked for like five or 10 yeah. years and then they become, someone else picks it up and does it better, you know? So, you know, um, I was listening to a recent Joe Rogan podcast and, um, he inevitably like every few people he brings on talks about aliens with them right? yeah right and kind of his big theory is always uh well aliens would be watching us up until this point before they did anything yeah like, just kind of seeing what we do right and he had this guy on there that basically said you know for like thousands and thousands of years um basically civilization and our creations and stuff have been kind of like a slow progression, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm not a historian, but let me let me try to do this. <laughs> so, you know, it's like um fire, the wheel, uh -huh. that kind of thing. And it was we moved into like the industrial age, stuff just started like sparking off. Yeah. And what he what this guy that he had on was trying to say was that even like a um a light bulb, that was probably like the big first one. Uh-huh. But that was still people saying like, okay, well, just we needed light. We always had light, right. fire, and now you've made it spark and turn on. Uh -huh. But um, I think 
in our lifetime, especially we're in our twenties. And I think in our lifetime, we have seen, it was hard for me to hear that because I feel like there has been huge jumps. Yeah. Like since I've been alive. Right. And, um, I don't know. I'm not even talking about just air fryers, you know, like <laughs> just, yeah. just well, when we phones, were born, you know? no one had cell phones. And if they did, no. they were, you know, the size of a TV yeah, remote like, oh now God, or something. I can't believe that kid has a, a cell phone, you know, when yeah. you get like in high school and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and it really was born out of, in our family, having a cell phone was born out of like, we are not communicating well. Yeah. People are getting left at school. And right. Yep. Nick's not picking his brother up. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I got one because my family wanted to get rid of the landline phone. Yeah. So they're like, well, Jake's the only one that you, like it was at the point where I was the only one that used that phone because my sister had a cell Mm. phone. So like, well, let's just cancel that because it'd be cheaper to get him a cell phone and then we'll know where he's at and stuff. So, yeah. Or like, um, you know, what about TVs when you were a kid? Like, yeah. Do you remember those just like huge? The big glass domes and they were super (laughs) heavy and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And like even like the first TV I bought for college compared to how they are now, mm-hmm. you got like an eighty from seven twenty growing up with. Mm-hmm. Before that, I mean, before seven twenty, and then yeah. it's four K after ten eighty, eight K now. Mm-hmm. And that's what I kind of feel about a lot of the newer technologies. It's sort of um, people in our generation maybe older than us are still feeling like that isn't absolutely necessary. Like an eight K TV, yeah. Like you don't think I I mean it would be super dope, but I would never spend the money on it. Yeah. You know, the barrier yeah. of entry on, on new technology like that is so high. Yes. You know. Yeah. Like the I don't, I, the the difference is obvious. Like people who say you couldn't tell the difference is they're they're stupid. Like it it's a yes. it's a definite difference, but um mm-hmm. it's a diminishing returns, I think. Like how much is is yeah. it really worth the twenty thousand dollars or whatever you're gonna spend on a wallpaper eight K TV? Yeah. And we like, we inevitably get into this conversation offline and online, but there are, um, you know, like consoles and stuff, game consoles coming out. There is, it's weird because if you go and watch these like investor meetings, they'll talk about a PlayStation 4 as the console for the next five years. Right. But then they'll come out with a PS5 like that next year Mm -hmm. and everyone's like, oh, I got to have the new one. Mm -hmm. I got to have the... You know, and then I always think back to that, like, well, they're still supporting a PS4, and I've had that thing for, like, five years, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and it works great. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I I try not to, that's why I love talking to you about what you do, because I you're, like, on the cusp of a lot of this stuff, and I'm just, like, sitting on the other side, waiting for it to come over the table, yeah. you know? And... Yeah, it's an interesting world, and... It's especially interesting to me, well, I I should actually say it's frustrating to me to talk to people that don't have any, don't have any insight to that world. Like the kind of people that just get mad that Apple makes a new phone every year. Yeah. You know, and we, (laughs) we've had this conversation on the podcast back in the day and it's in its uh, infancy, but, um, you know, there's just a lot going on that people don't have have visibility to and it's hard for me when i start to actually explain things and they they don't actually want to know the answers you know yeah they just want to bitch about apple or something you know yeah um, yeah i've been i've been getting the text from uh, my phone carrier telling me that 
my time to upgrade is running out. Yeah. I trade in my phone. And this might be the first phone. I mean, I always talk about this, but you, do you, you don't. I miss the home button. I really do. Mm. I, I miss being able to click it and know I clicked it. And, and man, I feel like I'm just doing this 30 times before I get <laughs> to an app, you know? Uh, God, I'm such an old. You sound old. old I've never geez. had this thought. I anyway. don't miss it because I don't miss them breaking and then having to use that stupid on-screen home button. Yes. Like, I, I never had an iPhone where the home button survived, like, the whole... Every iPhone that had a home button that I had, by the time I was upgrading, the home button was broken, you know? Yeah, that's because so, you got, like... When you're impressed, it's like a hoax. No, that's not true. It's just, <laughs> you know, buttons are a liability, in terms yeah, of product that's design. True. They're really nice. I do like tactile buttons and like my yeah. watch my watch doesn't have a touch screen on it, which blows people mm-hmm. away most of the time. But I don't like the idea of having a touch screen on my wrist, you know. Yeah, that was one of the sales for me when you were talking about which one I should get. But it's weird too, because I noticed I've noticed with my son, you know, if we have like a phone laying there or something and, and sometimes we'll let him watch a video or something on there, but he knows how it works yeah he swipes stuff Mm -hmm. and so it was funny because we were in the uh in the band van and um it has a little a screen but everything is run with the knobs and the buttons Mm -hmm. and when he's sitting in the van he's like hitting the screen where the buttons go and i'm like man i remember when that was like a switch for me right that the screen doesn't respond to my touch right and he's just a baby. He's only, you know, just over a year, and and he already understands that concept. Well, it's far like, more intuitive. It is. You right? see something on the screen, you touch the thing on the screen. Touch that. You know, the the interface of uh, navigating with buttons is actually not intuitive. But mm-hmm. um, there's, I don't know. This is why. This is why we're fighting against the metaverse a little bit in like VR. Yeah. Right. Because we we want to have. I want to have some physical control over what I'm doing mm-hmm. in front of my face, mm-hmm. which to to enter the metaverse, I really feel like we have to get beyond that. Yeah, it's gonna have to be it's gonna have to be really easy to use to get for, to have like widespread adoption of it, um, mm-hmm. and the barrier of entry is gonna have to be low. You know, if if it requires you to have this like freaking ridiculous, like if you have to build a room in your house to have like the full sensory experience or something. No one's going to do it, you know? So it, it has to be simple enough to get people in, involved, but, um, you know, fleshed out enough to keep people there. You know, if it's, if you get there and it's gimmicky, then, you know, no one's going to stay. It's, it, it's a pretty complex, it's a pretty complex idea. And the problem with stuff like that for me is the proof of concept stuff is always really gimmicky. So it's hard for people to wrap their, their heads around the application we talked about this with like nfts and stuff uh, a few weeks back the proof of concept of nfts are these stupid little pictures online and like no one you could screenshot yeah that's the that's the argument it's like oh i could just screenshot that and then have the picture it's like the most terrible proof of concept for the actual underlying technology like the technology behind being able to prove ownership and and all this stuff is really where the the magic happens but Mm -hmm. it's the same thing with the metaverse like they're showing it as like this Sims game where you can just go and like hang out with friends at this virtual bar, which is dumb. Like who cares to be able to do that? But 
Right. Um, I think there is some, some potential for there to be like an actual economy um, in that realm that translates to the, the real world too, that kind of would, right. would replace going to Amazon on your computer. You know, there would be uh, a metaverse version of all that, but like you're shopping in store yeah. at Amazon, man. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready, man. I, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, some, some of the people, the purists or the, the really, uh, the people that are really excited about it think it's going to be within the next year or so. I really don't think it's going to be adopted that quickly. Wow. <clears throat> you know, the, the technology is, you know, it, it, ex- it progresses at a rapid pace, but it's not the technology really that's the problem. It's getting it's getting everyone on board with it. And not everyone is a, a crypto like tech bro. That's really excited about yeah. new tech. Like the majority of people are like, you know, people that barely know how to use their iPhone. Don't understand what right. iCloud is still, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, just as far as, I mean, I feel like I've talked about gaming on this podcast more than ever, but it's all right. It's really not as do. often as you probably think it is. Okay, good. Well, there's a lot of people that are afraid that, um, NFTs are going to be like microtransactions. In games, right? yeah. Right, in games. And they're not exactly, not even really close to the same thing. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. The thing with the, thing with the current implementation of microtransactions in games is they have no real value. And it is just right. a, a ploy for the company to make, continue to make money which is obnoxious as a consumer. Like I, I, I completely agree with that sentiment. Like I hate getting to a certain point in a game and then realizing there's a paywall to progress in the game right. or you're, you know, you're going to have significantly less fun if you don't buy this expansion or, or something, you know? Yeah. Um, the thing with NFT though is the thing that you buy has value that you can resell, you know, and get, right. get some percentage back or even more, you know, make money off of it or something. So mm-hmm. it's not really the same thing. And the, the the application for that that I'm most excited about is being able to resell digital games as a whole. You know, back in the day when you bought a game, you got a disc. And if you were done yeah. with that game, you could sell it to your buddy for 20 bucks or something, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, recoup some of your money. But now, especially in our case where we buy, we play on PC. So we only have digital copies. Well, we've, how many games have you and I played and finished and never play anymore? You know, like maybe one. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say more. Oh, you mean how many have we played and finished? Yeah, and don't just don't, like in our Steam library, oh, games yeah. that we don't go back to anymore. Oh, yeah. You know? That baby's full. So imagine if you could sell those and get your money back on them instead of I just being stuck. I think about that all the time, man. That's what NFTs will let you do. Because we go back and play the same ones. Yeah. Rather than like, oh, let's try this one, and we jump on it for like maybe a day, and we're like... Uh, let's go back uh, to the, the tried and true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man, that'd be a really interesting concept. I remember taking my like my GameStop haul into the store and mm-hmm. and selling it, and you know, only getting like five bucks on a two hundred dollars worth yeah. of games, you know, that you bought over the years. And yeah, I mean, I'm all for it. And, you know, I'm in a I'm in a cool place because a lot of the friends I have, like you and and my brother and especially a couple others out in Oregon, they, they always are keeping track of the stuff and you guys are sending me stuff before I've even heard about it. Yeah. And you know me, I tend to hit like political news more often than um, that, like 
general new topics that are coming across the wire. But um, yeah, I remember when uh, a friend of a friend was talking about NFTs for the first time, and I was like, I I couldn't even grasp exactly what he was talking about, right. what he had an understanding. Yeah. And it was also that way with Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of the same guy. And it, it like, he's making a living doing it. Right. So, you know, to me, I think like, I want to be, I want to be in on these new things that are happening. Like I want to be part of the metaverse, right? Because in 10 years, mm-hmm. it might be a really important thing. Yeah. Like what if, what if the boy wants to get on in not 10 years, hopefully longer than that. And he's in a different, you know, a different state or something. Right. And he's like, dad, let's get on the metaverse and go hunting. Right. Right. And then we get to just go do that together and sort of feel real. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm in a weird place because I don't want to talk about myself like a dinosaur, but I really do see a few of these things sort of passing by. Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky because I've, I've always had a really good relationship with my dad and he is, he's a tech guy, as tech as he could be for almost 60. Yeah. Right. And he knows, he knows so much and only just, you know, during the pandemic and stuff, me helping him with like internet problems, you know, did I realize like, man, he knows so much and I want to like stay current on that. And I guess when a lot of the outlets I'm listening to are talking about the metaverse as mm-hmm. like, uh, what is this? What is this? this is stupid. Right. Nobody's going to do this. Right. I'm like, well, I think people are going to do it. And then me and the guy I'm listening to on my headphones are going to be sitting back like, oh. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The It's hard for me to listen to people um, talk about it in, uh, uh, wow. I completely just lost my train of thought. It's because my camera went yeah. away. It's <laughs> totally, it's totally threw say, me off. It's hard for people to talk, that they talk about, it, they want to let it pass by. Oh yes. Yeah. So like yeah. listening to like mainstream media, talk about this, these kinds of things, like it's hard for me because I think that sort of technology is really disruptive to a lot of a lot of industries and you know lobbyists and these people that have a stake in the game you know Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of a lot of the media outlets are kind of convinced or coerced to to sow some certain sentiments about things you know Mm. i don't know why i'm tiptoeing around it i think everyone can agree that like the mainstream media is kind of bullshit um, but it's funny when it's funny when that also applies to something that would seem as neutral as like new technology. But mm-hmm. um, I think there is a lot of like tech suppression and um, and stuff that happens. I uh, I always talk about like if you listen to those um, congressional hearings where with Mark Zuckerberg talking to you know senators and congressmen and women. Where he's like, yeah, he's so like he can't explain what's happening to them because they don't understand, you know, it's like these, these super out of touch, like 80 year old people asking, you know, is, is this I face I book on my face tweet box, you know? And it's like, (laughs) they're using the hard part for people who know the terminology is talking to people who don't know what the terminology means, but they still use the words. So then, yeah, 
Those words mean something very specific to you, but they the other people are misusing them. So you're trying to decipher what exactly they're trying to say yeah. while also yeah. understanding like, uh, it's it's pretty tough, but yeah. I always I always remember when I, there's like a little gif bit of um, a news reporter, I think Fox News or something saying, what is 4chan? And right. And it like just keeps me like, <laughs> <it's kinda> like <laughs> Yeah, and it's, it's obnoxious because these people will ask, in all these videos, they'll ask, Mark Zuckerberg or the guy from Google, whatever his name is, questions, and yeah. they will 100% answer their question. But right. the person will just be like, no, I just don't like it. So, you know, I don't trust yeah. you. It's like, bro, I'm answering your question. I'm giving you the, inter- the, the information, but you, d- you don't understand. Like, I think that's a, I think that's a real big problem. I think, yeah. I think as a society, we need to get to a point where our, uh, I'm going to get political here where our lawmakers mm-hmm. understand what the hell is going on in terms of yeah. like technology and these things that people are actually using. Um, yep. And not just, you know, what their assistance and aids are feeding them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, man, that when I start to watch these things pass by, I start to see myself as, as that kind of person. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to do it. Technology is so exciting to me and like some of the new stuff, um, that's coming out. Like, have you been keeping track of the, uh, Starlink stuff with, there's, there was a recent article that was talking about how like cats are using the, the dishes to stay warm or whatever. <laughs> I didn't see whatever. that. <laughs> <laughs> which, which kind of sparked me to look at it. Yeah. Again, but so it's basically his internet service satellites, um, yeah. that are shooting internet service to these rural areas in like, you know, for me, current lifestyle, that's an interesting concept because I start to wonder how that could benefit me on the road. Um, right. Right now, I'm kind of at the mercy of a an LTE hotspot, mm-hmm. which is great. But, you know, there's some areas your phone doesn't work, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of what I'm running through, too. And, um, I'm man, I'm, I'm really excited about a lot, of, a lot of the stuff he's been doing. It seems like he's been pretty quiet. Yeah, because he's kind of getting like his his Falcon launches. It was just like the tenth consecutive return flight mm. or something on one mm. of his shuttles, and um, that is something I never thought we would see in my lifetime. Like realistic space flight, like going and coming back, right? Just like a plane ride. And have you seen have you seen the videos of of him? There's an interview. Someone asks Elon Musk. Um, if he's heard like the sentiment from like the OG astronauts on like commercial space travel, basically like, you know, the guys that originally walked on the moon and, you know, the the original astronauts are, a lot of them are really opposed to the idea of like civilian level space travel to, to some degree. It kind of, that, the video of him talking about that is kind of disheartening for me because, you know, he's like holding back tears while he's talking about this. He's like, these people were my, are my heroes. And, you know, they're very openly against what, what we're doing here. You know, um, I don't, I don't really understand that mentality of like being, being against like progression of technology and stuff. And on the Starlink front, you know, I think that's going to be another thing where, it gets trashed in the media because it's very disruptive to Verizon and AT&T and all these, you know, giant companies um, that 
you know, people pay them to have these giant towers built. But, you know, yeah. Tesla or Starlink is working on, you know, a phone. Like they've talked about putting out a phone that would run off Starlink satellites and you would not be tied to one carrier. Well, you'd be tied to the carrier of Starlink, but it wouldn't be as regional. And it would be, yeah. the idea is that it would be a lot more stable than these cell tower yeah. networks that are sort of archaic at this point. Yeah, you have to keep in mind with progression and technology especially that the companies are kind of what we're talking about like especially who they're run by usually or a lot of these old dogs yeah you know that are worried about their bottom line mm -hmm. yeah it's crazy I, I i haven't really been thinking about that with starlink but it is gonna change a lot of things for those companies and mm -hmm. um this is like you were talking about how elon was getting upset when they were we were talking about like those other astronauts and basically against the commercial flying, but I was, you know, a question that like a what if question that always came across the table when we'd play that game. I don't know about with me and you, but me and Nick or something was if you could, if they gave you a million dollars to go live in space for X amount of years or whatever, yeah. just you and maybe one other person. Um, and, you know, I always thought about that question, like, oh, man, that'd be, that'd be once in a lifetime, like, go to another planet, you know? You're never going to go to the moon or something, you uh -huh. know? And, um, like, it's so weird that, well, you would probably be paying someone a million dollars to do it right now, but... Right. Um, okay, I'm posing this question to okay. you. So, your normal week, it's a Monday in the middle in January, and... Tomorrow, you're sitting at your desk, and you get a phone call, and they say, Jake, Julie, you've been randomly selected out of, there's 100 people that we've selected to go to space, and you are all going to have your own shuttles, mm -hmm. so there'll be 100 shuttles going to space, and none of them are going to crash into each other on the way up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you're going to live, none of those things you have to... Don't think about the danger of like this isn't an Apollo. Yeah, it's going to work out. It's <clears throat> work. So you're going to be up there for two years, and they will basically replace your salary during that time. Yeah. And basically, there's no other questions other than you. I mean, you'll have provisions. You're not purchasing provisions, but you will eat what we give you. Right. And uh, you can. You'll have like. Um, similar comforts to like entertainment at home. Yeah. You'll be able to stream Netflix from a Starlink satellite and uh, you can bring books. Mm -hmm. Um, You won't be able to do, you wouldn't do your job that you have now. Mm -hmm. They will pay you to be up there and live life. What, what would your answer be to that? No. <laughs> All right, we're done. We'll see you guys next week. I don't know, dude. I mean, that sounds like a that sounds like a comfortable prison to me. You know, mm, like wow. just being able to look outside and see space. I think that would kind of lose its lose its luster after I don't know some some amount of time. Maybe not right away. Yeah. But two years to just kind of exist in space and let all my gains deteriorate because you can't work out in space because there's no gravity. Yeah, that's a whole another topic. A, that would right be there. a major bummer. I don't know. I would I would miss too many. I would miss too many people. Um, I like being alone, but not that alone. Yeah. You know, 
Wow, guys, you heard it right here. He does have a heart. I do have a heart. Well, what if, what if it turned into like an Among Us situation too? You know, you would. I mean, I guess you'd have your own shuttle. Yeah, like I said. Yeah, I don't know. But, I think I would go crazy. You know. Yeah. And uh, how about if they had you doing like tasks to keep the shuttle running? Like that would make sense why you would be a person that was selected. Like I wouldn't be selected for that. Yeah, I still wouldn't. I still wouldn't want to do it because then you're really? just working in space. You know. Yeah, but just like and if you and while. if you like take a day off, you could just die. Mm. I can just take I can take a day off now, and my company doesn't fall apart. You know, I'm not that important. So what you're saying, it's going to space, looking out the window, seeing some of the sights, which would basically just be the moon and Earth, yeah, and some stars, yeah. You're basically saying you could see that from here, so you're good. I'm not saying that. Like, I'm not trying to say that that experience wouldn't rock my world you know yeah i'm saying i would do it if i could go for like three days you know yeah or a week or something but two years couldn't do it even if i feel like i'll take it a step further even if they gave me a million dollars i don't think i would go wow yeah yeah see yeah and i well i think i would say yes maybe with i'm a little different because i mean absolutely yes i would miss people here but I also feel responsibility to be here yeah. to some the people in my family. Right. And, um, so it would feel selfish to me to do it. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if it was like, in the back of my mind, I would be thinking, well, what they're doing this for is to see how we do. Yeah. And you're right. It sort of does sound like a nice prison because... Uh, it basically becomes a study in psychology rather than it would be different if they were putting people out on these planets and like trying to colonize, you know? Yeah. If there was like, Colon, I don't like the word colonize. <laughs> civ- I mean, if there was some promise of like civilization or community yeah, or like, something like that would make it better. Right. But then, you know, what if you hate the other 10 people that you're with or something? Yeah. And I don't like the idea of life moving on without me while I'm there, mm. you know, like coming back and having to like, I would be trying to pick up where I left off with everything, but you know, the rest of the world has progressed two years. You know, people have changed relationships. You can't just like pick up where you left off in in general, even if you've been in contact with those people. Like if you go, if you go like a year without seeing a buddy, people always say, well, we've picked up right where we left off. Stuff is always different. Mm -hmm. You know, even if you know the things that have changed, you know, there's stuff that happens that you miss out on. So I don't know. I'm getting, real soft here in my in the last few years starting to think about stuff like this but yeah i don't think i could i don't think i could do it man that's pretty sweet pretty sweet (laughs) but you can go i'd be happy to get rid of you for two years well i said you could take two (laughs) take another person so i guess i'm not taking you (laughs) because you didn't say we could go together like in a buddy ship (laughs) but they said like you could take one person and be like well, Jake told me he didn't want to go. Time, so. <laughs> I don't even ask you. I feel like that'd be, hey man, me that'd and, be a good way for us to ruin our, our friendship, probably. Yeah, it would. space for two years. But also, I'd be asking you to game a lot. So oh, We would play a lot of games. We'd play hella, game, hella video games <laughs> up in space. You'd never get any sleep. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, technology's wild, man. We're in for a wild ride, yeah. I think. Yep. And, uh, it, okay, one more question. Okay. If if the uh, space flight becomes commercial, as in like an affordable, uh-huh. you know, like a three hundred dollar ticket uh-huh. 
to see the moon and come back. Uh-huh. Are you doing that? Yeah, I'd do that. I'm yeah. not going to be the first one to do it. I don't yeah. like to be a guinea pig for anything, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, I forgot to tell you there's aliens with Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the old, lasers. I forgot to tell you. <laughs> Sharks with lasers. Sharks with lasers. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I would do that if it was proven to be as safe as, you know, flying below the atmosphere yeah. is. Well, and what is that, right? That's just like the frequency of it going and coming back, right? Yeah. Every time I get on an airplane, I think, well, I've done this a million times, so I don't... Yeah, if, how many flights are every, happening a day, and you hear very exactly. few incidents, right? Every, like, five flights, I get this little ping of, like, uh, mm. I'm suddenly very aware of the metal tube in the air. and Yeah. Uh, that only happens to me when I fly budget airlines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I fly you out for work. Cough, cough, Frontier <laughs> Airlines. Pretty rough. Have I told that story? On this podcast? I don't know if you told it. No, you did tell on the podcast, mm. but you, you could tell it again. All, all I'm going to say is the one Frontier flight that I took, it seemed like it was everybody's first time in the sky, including the pilots and crew. <laughs> so it was not all that confidence, confidence inspiring. I don't recommend flying Frontier. Uh, does anybody on here know how to fly a plane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure you the co-pilot was like a dog. I'm pretty sure it was a guy, a guy and his dog up there flying the plane. You can just hear him barking. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was wild. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of Similar Vein Podcast. Be sure to rate and subscribe if you haven't already. Hit us up on Instagram and TikTok at Similar Vein Podcast. And until next time, we will see y'all. Y'all. Yeah.